All right. Anybody ready for the word? Oh, y'all got to do better than that. You ready for the word? Get your Bible. Go to Ephesians chapter two. Sermon title today is called Amazing Grace. I got to tell you where I get my sermons. You know where I get them. I, I get all of my sermons in prayer. I don't, I don't preach anything if I don't get it in prayer. And, and I don't know why that is. I have never been able to write a sermon out and keep it. If I, I mean, I just, God gives it to, I pray and pray and pray. If I try to preach something he didn't give me, it just don't work. So anyway, he, the other day he began to deal with me about this subject. And I think that we'll be blessed today. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start with verse four. But God who rich in mercy, because of his great love where he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ for by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now, in, the, in, in 2.8, it says, by grace we've been saved. For years and years and years in church, we've heard this word grace actually being misused today in some places. But we hear it, and then we hear the definition, and I want to go over the definition of this word because sometimes... We don't really know what we have until we realize what we didn't have. See, you don't, I think sometimes we don't understand the gift of God because we don't know how bad we were. Do y'all know that? You don't realize how great this gift was. And so sometimes people look at me and say, yeah, we're saved by grace. And it's like, no big deal. Well, honey, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is a massive word by grace. So the word grace we call unmerited favor. And someone made a statement that says, God doing for you what you could not do for yourself. So my question is, do we understand the problem we had? And I'll tell you why we're going there in a few minutes. In, in Ephesians 2.11, let's pick this up. Remember that you once were a Gentile. The word Gentile is gohim. It means without God in the flesh, who's called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to think for a moment what it's like if, what would it be like if you were the devil? You ever think about the situation he's in? Do you realize that every day of his life, he is understanding he has no hope? Think about that for a minute. Here's a person or an angel, whatever you want to call him. Every day of his life, he knows judgment's coming and there's nothing he can do to stop it. Now, think about this for a minute. When we talk about someone lost in sin, I don't think we have ever grasped the depravity of that. We say we were, we were lost because we sinned. That's not true. You were lost because you were sin. 
What percentage of you was sin? 100%. Now, let me make a statement to you. I said, I want to, I got to paint a picture so you can understand the gift. There was nothing in you any good. Not even one one hundredth percent of anything in you that was good. So we just got through reading that God saved us not because we were good, but because he is good. He saved us because of his great love wherein he loved us. Now think about this. We've got the God of the universe looking down on the earth with every man, woman born in the earth and every one of them are totally lost in sin and because of his great love, he came looking for you and I. Boy, do we have a debt. Now we're gonna talk about before we get out of here today, we're going to talk about loving one another. That's where I'm going. But I need to say this. I'm going to jump way ahead of myself. We use a term in America, and I want you to get it out of your language. I deserve. You don't deserve squat. No one on this earth, including God, is indebted to you and I. Not a thing. And yet today, there's so much strife and division in the body of Christ, and we've got people mad, ugly, and all that, and we have never really understood, how do you walk in love towards somebody who's not all that nice? Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. I see I'm in the right place. Go to the book of Romans chapter 3 and let's read. Now, we, we have a very, very bad habit in the faith and word movement in which I'm the king of. Amen. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the head of the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it group in a popka. Romans chapter 3, because all of my life since I've been born again, I've heard that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and that's who I am. And, and, and we heard about sermons where people preached for years about there is none righteous, no, not one. But let's back up for a minute and look at where those sermons originally came from. The, the format of the preacher preaching it was not wrong. What happened in our churches, Martin Luther and different ministers, I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but up until only about 30 or 40 years ago, no one, well, more than that now, no one ever gave an altar call. Did y'all know that? People don't give altar calls in churches. Martin Luther made a statement, how will you know if someone's saved? And he said, watch their life. They will change. Well, what happens then, then, then in America, you have churches full of good people who are not even born again. So, thank God for the Baptist. They began to preach that if you think you're going to heaven because you're good, you're wrong. There is none righteous, no, not one. And they were preaching to the people in their church who were getting up on Sunday morning, walking into a church, and had never been born again. I got to tell you a story right now. When I was in the, the Bahamas, I was walking down the, the road, and I don't, I don't know whether you understand this, but other cultures are not like America. 
praise in the name of Jesus. See, people in other countries, you can walk down the road, they'll invite you in the house to eat. They don't do that in America. They don't even come outside. Anyway, so I'm walking down the road, and there's a lady sitting right outside, and she's making um, peas and coconut and rice. And she's shredding coconut out on her front porch, and I'm walking down inviting people to the crusade that night. And I walked up to her, and she was an elderly woman about 85 years of age. And I walked up, and I said, we're having a crusade tonight. I'd like to invite you to the crusade. And, and you know, and, and I, love, I love the island culture, man. Man, if you've never been to the Bahamas, you're missing something in your life, man, especially Jamaica. And you go over there and get you a hand of bananas and some grape nut ice cream, man. And then you got to meet the guys on the street that are selling reefer and get you closer to God. <laughs> and you want to smoke a little reefer, man. All right, and you say, no, man, I don't want a reefer from you. I'm already close to God. But anyway, I'm walking down the street and this woman and I walked up to her and I said, you know, I'd like to invite you to the crusade tonight. We're going to be preaching the gospel. And she looks at me and she said, uh, I said, where do you go to church? She says, I go to this church down here. And I said, how long have you gone? She says, I've gone all of my life. I've never missed a Sunday. And I looked at her and I said, are you born again? She goes, what's that? And I opened up the Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I said, sweetheart, have you ever confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life? And she says, no, man. You got an 85-year-old woman. Man, never missed a church dying and going straight to hell when she dies because nobody's ever given her the gospel. So you have people in America, you have people in the world that go to church. And so Americans begin to preach, there's none righteous, no, not one, attempting to show people they're not righteous by the works they give. And so they, then, then we had a whole class of people didn't know they were righteous. And then the, the faith and word movement started and people started teaching that, yes, you are righteous in Christ. And for 20-something years, all we've heard is that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. But I want to go back and read you before Jesus. So that we have a reference point that I can get to my sermon in just a minute. Is that all right? There is none righteous, no, not one. How many? Not anybody. There is none who understands. What a statement. Do y'all understand that there are people on this planet that if they're not born again, they have zero understanding have you ever met a lost person and tried to talk to them about God and going to heaven and they look at you with this blank look and they're going to hell and they don't care? That's called stupid. But there are people like that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. There is none who understands, none who seeks God. How many? You weren't looking for God. When he found you, he was looking for you. You did not find the Lord. Somebody started praying for you. Somebody brought you to church. God moved on you by the Holy Ghost and you came out of darkness. But when you walked in here, you were not looking for him. He was looking for you. There's none that seeks God. They have all turned aside, become together unprofitable. There is none who does good, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues, they've practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the definition 
of everybody in this earth without Jesus. That is the definition of you before Jesus. Not anything any good. That's quite a statement, isn't it? All right, let's move on. Go to Galatians chapter 3. So what I have done, because I normally like to preach who you are in Christ or in him realities, I'm going to preach in you realities. I knew y'all would get excited about that. I want to show you what the Bible has to say about you apart from Jesus. So we're going to begin with Galatians 3.6. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. What were you prior to Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. Now, you can't get real excited about that. Man, I, you just don't know me. I don't want to know you. Now, there's one, let me jump way ahead of myself. There's one thing I love about y'all. Jesus in you. Keep him in there, guys. I like Jesus inside of you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. When I got saved, something happened to me in the inside. I didn't get just forgiven. I became a new creation. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. All the good you see in me that you like, that's Jesus. All the stuff in me you don't, that's Daryl. <laughs> Some of Daryl still left, amen. Some of Paul still in there, Hallelujah. And a little bit of Osel still shines every once in a while. Paul, we're praying over Paul right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, you know, we, we do a lot of bragging on ourselves, <laughs> And we use that word, and I'm going to say it again, and I hear it all the time. I deserve. No, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. Boy, we sure need to get that out of our language, don't we? Talking about what I deserve. We deserved hell. But God, but God, God, Jesus came, paid the price. Everything we have today, we owe him. We're in a debt. We're going to get into that in a minute. Let's look at another one. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. As yet he ought to know. I was looking at a documentary one day of a, of a man in Africa sitting butt naked on a log, eating worms out of a log. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's absolutely stupid. Why would a human being sit on a log and eat a worm? That's a man without God. Now, listen to me. Don't, 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 don't get all haughty with me. God takes his hand off you. We'll see you someplace sitting on a log naked eating worms. I guarantee you that. Because all of the knowledge that you and I have, when I got born again, I knew nothing about God. Everything I know, the Holy Ghost showed me. As a matter of fact, let's go back to my salvation for a moment. When I, when, when I got saved, my mother was praying for me. I wasn't looking for God. 
When my mother came and took me to Atlanta, that was my excuse to go to underground penny beer night. When I got to the crusade, then they started praying for the sick. God healed me by his, by his grace, and I got up and got healed by the power of God. And then I had a revelation moment. Jesus is Lord. Where do you think that knowledge came to some ignorant hippie? Think I did that? I didn't do any of that. And I went forward and I prayed a sinner's prayer. Jesus came in my heart. I went home and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. <laughs> didn't have a clue. I knew one scripture, John 3, 16. I learned in the Baptist church. I had enough Bible to get saved on the inside of me. For God so loved the world, I had that all figured out. And from that moment forward, the Holy Ghost told me, I will teach you the word of God. And everything I know to this day, God taught it to me. Because I was dumb as a rock. And I don't mean to be so ugly about the rock. Folks, I wasn't looking for God. I didn't have enough sense to know I even needed to get saved. People look at me today preaching and they go, there's a God. There is. He uses donkeys. He still uses donkeys. <laughs> Let's look at another one. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Who makes you differ from another? And what do you have you didn't receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why are you boasting as though you didn't receive it? Did you know you know things other people don't know? Did you know that you are different than other people? That is by design. God don't want everybody to be the same. Well, we, you know where we're going with this? We're, where we're going with this whole sermon, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Why is it? that you are putting conditions on accepting people. Why do we do that? The one place there should be acceptance, the one place there should be love is in this building. Why is that? Because when he found you, there wasn't nothing there. So all of a sudden now we're putting a criteria on others God didn't put on you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Well, what do you do when you get around people who are different than you? You understand there are people in this room right now that have never received the knowledge that you have. How do you treat them? You can disagree with each other. Disagreement is great. It is good to debate. It's good to disagree. But it's wrong to be disagreeable. It's wrong to not accept each other for where you are. Where would you be if God ever put the criteria on you that you've got to kick it up a notch? He, when he found you and I, there was nothing there. But he accepted us and he loved us where we were. Can we now do that? Yes. Say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. When you, when, listen, you're sitting in a church. There is 
all kinds of people in this room right now and all different levels of maturity and all different places of their walk with God. Easiest thing in the world is to become judgmental. Well, they don't know what I know. Well, then, you know, well, Jesse Duplantis has a jet. If he came walking in this church right now, would you only want him to like people that have jets? Or would you actually want to get to meet him and him treat you well, even though you aren't up there where he is? Am I right? See, people want, there's a song in the world What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just so little love. Now, I didn't say we agreed with each other. I said we're learning to treat each other the way God treated you. Did did he give you grace because you were good? Why are you waiting for the people you know to come up a notch for you to give them love? You're waiting on them to deserve it because they may not. I'm over here. Let me, let, y'all okay? I'm going to come over here and preach. Why are we waiting on each other to deserve it? My husband, he don't deserve no love. I get it. Love him anyway. Are y'all okay? All right, now that, you know, there's women in here right now. Now he might be an old buffoon. He might be a rank old sinner. I'm waiting on, yeah, yeah. (laughs) People around you don't deserve love. Give it to them anyway. People don't deserve acceptance. Give it to them anyway. People don't deserve forgiveness. Give it to them anyway. People don't deserve time. Give it to them anyway. Because that's the way God did us. That's what grace is. God gave you grace. Grace is when God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. It's undeserved mercy. You deserve a bit of it. Number four, are you ready? John 15, five. I'm the vine, you're the branch. I'm the vine and you're the branch. I'm holding you and you're not holding me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Listen to me real carefully because I'm going to blow your mind. You can't even live for God without grace. (laughs) I'm on a maturing God. You better get some grace. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to give you the man's name. There was a man probably 30 years ago that got on television and started criticizing Kenneth Copeland. Big preacher. Everybody everybody in the world knew him. Within a year, 
He's in a strip bar checking out the women. How did that happen? God took his hand off him. Now, just listen, listen to me. Everything you are, everything you have, and everything you will be is a gift. You're not that good. You can get ugly if you want to. But if God takes his hand off you, we're going to see you on the side of the road, sitting there naked, eating worms somewhere or something. Just... Next time you see an old bum walking down the street, I want you to look at him and say, except for the grace of God, there go I. All right, thank you for y'all enthusiasm. Everybody all right? See, what I'm trying to do is get us back into a, a, a church that loves God and loves one another. They're not going to get there as long as there's pride. You got your little clique? And we have little cliques in this church. The little groupie of people over here, little groupie. And they come to church a little groupie and they go home a little groupie. And you better not try to break in that little groupie because you ain't like them and now you ain't getting in their little groupie. And they got their little place they sit and they get up on Sunday, they go home and they don't hang out with nobody but their groupie. You can't break in, you can't break out. And, that's, and I'm telling you, it's sad. And then you got the people in the church, they mad at somebody. They've done, done me wrong. They've done me wrong. Well, the law you're using, you've never kept. Okay, come over here. I'll just come over here. Well, they lied to me. You ever lied? You're going to hell, you sorry, good for the. No, listen. They lied to me. They told a lie. Well, you've lied. Well, they was ugly. Well, you've been ugly. How did God treat you? He came and he found you in your sin. And he polished you and he redeemed you and he lifted you up. And then he stuck you in a church. Now, listen to what I'm doing and watch what I'm doing easy to love God. Hard to love one another. God deserves it. Everybody else don't. But see, if you love him, you'll love his church. And if you don't love his church, you don't love him. You can't have the cross without both parts of it. I'm doing pretty good, Paul, aren't I? You go back up north and say, they're the folks in the south. They're all right. <laughs> go to Luke 17. I think some people, will, I think God is talking to y'all about your love walk, isn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's nothing sweeter than fellowship. Thank you. When I married Lisa... It wasn't long before I found out she's an imperfect woman. Now, I know that she's got y'all buffaloed into thinking that the angels sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, when she wakes up in the morning, they don't. But I'm going to tell you something. I love that woman, and I'll tell you why I love her. I love her because God loves me. Whatever she does, good, bad, or ugly, makes no difference to me. 
My, the way I treat my wife is not based on her. It's based on him. Do y'all see that? And vice versa. She is a good wife. And the things that she has done in our marriage is based on how much she loves the Lord, not me. Because I have disappointed my wife. And she has disappointed me. People will disappoint you. God will not. Are y'all getting this? This is the foundation that Jesus said to us that they will know us by our love. What love? The love he gave you. The love, the great love wherein he loved you. You can't forget that while you're this side of heaven. All right, let's look at Luke 17. Don't go quiet on me. I'm going to start picking on you like I did the first service. I can't stand a quiet church. It makes me think I'm supposed to preach an hour longer. Okay, an hour longer y'all got. I want you to look at this right here in Luke, Luke, Luke 17, 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea and, and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep would say to him when he has come from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say to him, you prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me for I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you. When you have done all the things which you were commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You know, what happens to a Christian who's been in church for 30 years? Look at what I've done. Compared to God, nothing. Nothing. God is not indebted to me. God is not indebted to you. Let's think about this for a minute. Why, you don't know what I've done down in that church, working in that nursery for one year. If you worked in that nursery for 100 million years, you got a debt you can't pay. Are you understanding me? We got this idea somehow or another that God's indebted to us. And we say, well, you, you just don't know what I've given to the church. Let me ask you a question. Who gave you the money you gave? When I got saved, I could not buy a Coca-Cola. They were only a dime. I used to go to the machine. You know, y'all, y'all, some of y'all old enough, the doors you opened up and the bottles were sitting there. They stopped this because of me. You, you take a glass and put it under it and pop the top off that Coke and it drains in the glass. Because I couldn't buy a 10-cent Coke. So God started teaching me about prosperity and he told me to give and it shall be given. Where do you think I got the money to give the first? He gave me the money to sow. That caused me to be prosperous. He says you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Think about this. He demanded faith out of you, and then he gave you his. 
You didn't even have any faith. So what is it you have where you are all that hot? Not, Not a thing. We're just not that hot. So let's look around the room. Ain't nobody around you hot either. We're sitting in a room with a lot of really imperfect human beings that God loves. And he takes the way we treat each other real personal. He don't like when we pick on each other and we're ugly to each other and we're just not nice to each other. I told Lisa this story, and I know I've told the women in this church, and I know you hate the story. I know you hate it. It's true. It's for the women. Smith Wigglesworth. I'm coming over here and preach. I should have never left this corner. Smith Wigglesworth backslid, and he became a real bear. And he told his wife one day, said, I'm ahead of my house. You ain't going down to that church. And his wife looked at him and said, Smith, I take care of you. Listen, I take care of you. She didn't take care of him because he was good. He wasn't. She didn't stop being a good wife. She didn't stop cooking. She didn't stop taking care of him in the bedroom because he was just, wasn't living right. Don't shout me down. You say, I'm full of God. Well, we want to see it. And she treated him well. She said, but Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I'm going to church, whether you like it or not. And she left, and he locked her out. The next morning when he woke up, she was sleeping on the front porch. Now, y'all don't like this. I know you don't like it. Well, you're going to get it before you get out of here. And she said, Smith, what do you want for breakfast? (laughs) She fell in the door and says, hey, Smith, what's she full? She's full of God. You're full of God. You need to start acting like you're full of God. (laughs) Smith came out of being backslidden and he said, I can't stay backslidden in living in a house with you. I'll tell you something. There's some people right now. They need Jesus and they'll never see him without seeing him in you. And what they need, are y'all ready for this? They need some love. They need acceptance and they don't need to earn it. You didn't earn it. What about starting to treat people good who aren't good? Is that possible for you to treat people good that are not good? That would make you like Jesus. Let me say something to y'all, and this will make you you mad. Why do you want miracles when you can't even bake a cake? God, I wish that you would anoint my hands and lay on a sorry, good-for-nothing sinner and get them healed. He said, well, you don't. Why don't you just take them out to lunch? Oh, no, that old sinner ain't taking them nowhere. 
Well, you don't love that old sinner. You, you, come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Man, you do whatever's in your hand to do. Man, we, we've got to start learning how to act like God acts. And listen, it was grace. You're where you are by grace, and you're not going anywhere without grace. All right, now, now go to James chapter 4. Come on. Have y'all ever become judgmental? Thank you that we got some honest people in it. I have too. Every time I've ever gotten ugly, I did the thing I didn't, I was criticizing the other person for. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching with good. Y'all know good and well what I'm talking about. Somebody come in, I say, honey, they got a filthy mouth. I go home the next day and I say, damn. And I go, where'd that come from? Come on, I'm preaching real good. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, talk about filthy mouth. Well, I mean, God, God just reads over and goes, I'm just going to take my hand off you a little bit, buddy. Next thing you know, I'm starting to act like a heathen. And I go, oh, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. I'm the pastor. I ain't supposed to talk like that. He said, well, you get right. Yes, sir. <laughs> you get some humility about yourself. Oh, boy. I'm doing good, Jesus. Thank you. I like this sermon you gave me. James chapter 4, verse 6. And he gives more grace. There's more grace. And he says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You start getting proud, honey, he will take his hand off you. Your life will start falling apart, and then you start trying to fix it, and you can't. Can I tell you the fastest way to get healed? Just start worshiping God. You know what worry is? Faith in you. What am I going to do? Nothing. I'm preaching real good right now. I think if, if we just learn to walk in church and just go, I just got to sing and worship God a while. I just need to spend some time with God. Now we're talking real Christianity now. Don't ever forget who he is and where he found you and where you came from. Don't ever forget it. I don't mean rehearse it. Just all the time bringing condemnation. I'm talking about just for your own sake. James chapter 4, let's finish. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, talking to Christians. Purify your heart, double-minded. Levant, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your, gloom, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he, he will lift you up. Now look at verse 11. Don't speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother. He who speaks of the law judges the law. But if you're the judge of the law, you're not a doer of it, just a judge. You know the things that you're picking on each other about, you've done? <laughs> you just don't know how they treated me. Okay. I guess you've been perfect all your life. Never treated anybody bad in your life, right? That's, 
That's you, right? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I don't think so. You remember the man in the Bible came to Jesus and he smote his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, God. And he will. And when he lifts you, remember it. Why is he lifting you? He's looking for you to do the same. When you see somebody, they're not doing so hot. You can walk up and you can get ugly if you want to. Gene, I told you better than that. Or you can walk up and say, what do you need? What do you need, sweetheart? I see you're not doing good. What do you need? I'm here. I'm going to tell you a story. Well, after I got born again, I was in an apartment. And I was in, no, I was in Ramah. I was in an apartment. And the Lord said to me, he says, I'm sending you to Orlando. I mean, he just came in the room. Just, you know, sometimes he talks to me like I don't have good sense. I've never figured that out. Don't you say nothing. He said, I'm sending you to Orlando to wash feet. He said, I'm God, and I wash feet. And the day you're too big to wash another man's feet, you're bigger than me, and I will pull you out of the ministry. You don't ever get too big to get on your knees and help another man. You're not, you're not that big. There ain't nobody that big. Well, I have endeavored. <laughs> Easy? Oh, no. Oh, no. Amen. There's amazing grace. Let me go back over there and read that in Ephesians, and we're going to close. There's a lot of more things I can say, but we're out of time. Is this, is this good? How many of y'all can see some people right now? Oh. Let me read this again. God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved you, even when you were dead in trespasses, he made you alive together with Christ. For by unmerited, undeserved favor, you were saved. He's good, isn't he? Is he worthy of worship? Is he worthy of love? Well, he's kind of hard to get his hands on. Right? No, he's not. No, he's real easy to get his hands on. You know why? Because he said, he said, come on up here. He said, whatever you do, the least of these mine. You did it to me. There's no way you can love Jesus without loving his body. Now, that means that Paul and I might disagree on issues, but he's never given me the right to treat him less than God would treat him. This is a man God loves this man. And here's Louis. I love Louis. Louis's my brother. I pray he never gives me a ticket. But if he does, I'm going to take it down and pay it happily. But I love this man. 
I've loved him since the day I met him. And I can guarantee you if I hung around him, he's probably got a couple of quirks. quirks. <laughs> if not, his wife will tell me about him. And what about you? I, I don't love him. <laughs> this is a little Catholic guy. Went, he, he went down to St. Francis of Assisi. How many years did you go to church there? A long time. A long time, yes. And he walked in this church and got born again. Amen. What a wonderful guy. And I can tell you right now, he's got some quirks. Amen. He's a, he's a quirky old guy. But I sure love him. Do you all see that? Do you see that? In other words, how's he ever going to come up if someone doesn't reach down there? And I know this sounds tough because we're thinking, well, I'm not God. Well, no, he never, God never asked you to be God. But with the measure, it was dealt to you. That's the measure you give it out. To him whom, who much is given, much is required. We, we've come up with this idea that holiness is legalism. Holiness is not legalism. Holiness is loving God. Holiness is loving God. If you love me, keep my commandments. And Lisa and I deal with marriages all the time, and we have husbands and wives who fuss and fight and holler and scream and throw things at each other. And, and listen, and, and it's hard for them to realize, why don't you just love your spouse? Well, they don't deserve it. I get it. I get it. But God loves them. And he died for that person. That, that's a valuable person to him. What a way to think. What would happen if everybody in the church started acting like this? Wake up on Sunday morning. And let me say something about pastoring. If you're coming here to hear me, you won't last long. I will disappoint you. You come to church because Jesus died for you. The only reason you need to go to church is what he did for you. And that's a debt. You can't pay that debt. You and I are indebted to love. You have a debt. You can't pay it. He's not asking you to. Well, he is. Whatever you do, the least of these mine, you did it to me. That's a powerful message, isn't it? Now, I think some of us got ketchup to do. For you up north, cat soup. Now, we got some catching up to do. How many of you right now while I'm preaching, you're thinking of somebody, but you hadn't even talked to them in a while. I ain't talking to them no more. What if God did you that way? I ain't talking to you no more. That'd be hell. You don't want that. You want mercy, right? Anybody want mercy? Yes. Say mercy. mercy. Then give it away. Give it away. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. We've had a great time in church. We've honored the military, these men and women who have served. We also honored the word of God by coming to church. Father, right around us right this minute and in this church and family members, we have family that some of them aren't even in this room right now. And they need love. They need something only you can give. And Father God, from now on, we're going to start being the person who gives it. 
We're going to start treating people the way you treated us. We're going to get rid of the word I deserve. We're going to start learning how to serve. And the people around us that we don't like the most, maybe they need prayer. Maybe, maybe they don't see something. Maybe they don't understand something. Maybe they're at a place they can't get out of the mess they're in. Maybe they need a lift up. Maybe they need agape love, the same thing you gave us. And Father God, I pray that when we walk out here today, we would leave and go, wow, that's the word. I think I'm going to be a doer of the word of God, not just a hearer only. And I thank you, sir, for amazing grace and how much you love me when I was nothing. I didn't deserve Jesus. I didn't deserve love. I didn't deserve the healing you gave me, and I don't deserve it now. But you're a good God, and I give you thanks and honor for it in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you what happens when you think like this. You'll find yourself worshiping God. God, thank you. Thank you for where I am. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the knowledge I have. Thank you for the money in my pocket. Thank you for the wife you gave me. Thank you for the church you gave me. Thank you for the friends you gave me. Thank you so much. Everything I have, you gave it to me. The knowledge, the grace, the love. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now, Heavenly Father, I cannot pay you back. Impossible. When I walk out of this building today and I see someone in the condition that I was in, I'm going to be a lot more like you. Get down on my knees. Whatever it is they need, whatever it is they, to help them and lift them up and not be so critical and hard to get along with. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? You feel clean, don't you? Don't you feel clean? The word cleanses you. Some of you may think it's very difficult to treat someone. It actually is not. When you realize what he did for you, it's very easy to treat people well. Don't think so highly of yourself. Don't do that. It's very dangerous. People get bitter One day, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to do a whole Sunday morning and maybe a whole month on bitterness. It breaks my heart to watch someone become bitter and watch them fall from God. And they can't get up. They can't come out of it. They got to repent. It's going to take God to get them out. I was talking to a young lady the other day and she said, I got into bitterness. She said, Pastor, it took me 10 years to get back to God took me 10 years what I did in a year I didn't just spring back she said I lost my walk with God I thought I would just spring back and I, I didn't people around us they need love this lady now works with women in the streets she's so loving to sinners But it took a realization of how much God loved her and her sin to make her compassionate instead of difficult. 
God bless you, everyone. Praise God. Amen. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. There's only two. There's only two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he said that if you love me, then you're going to be loved by my Father. And we're going to come and make our home with you and manifest ourselves to you. There's a lot of you in here today that have Jesus in your heart, and that's great. But is Jesus and the Father making his home with you? Are they setting up shop with you? And are they manifesting themselves? I told a young lady the other day, I said, we all need the manifested presence of God in our homes and in our lives. And we need it in this room right now. And there's only two commandments. Ten commandments are all summed up in them. Amen. You ask yourself two questions. Always ask yourself two questions. Is what I'm about to do, is the attitude that I am taking on right now, two questions. Is it bringing God glory? And is it about to bring ill to my neighbor? One or the other. And if you can say, if you can say yes, it's bringing God glory and not bringing ill to my neighbor, you're good. If it's not, you just make the adjustment. Jesus said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved. So if my altar workers can come up, if you have never made Jesus Lord, he wants to come in you. He wants to change you. He'll come in and recreate and make your spirit brand new. You don't have to do it. He'll do it all by himself. Old spirit out, new spirit in. And he says, the love of God will be shed abroad in your heart. He says, I'll put the love in you. I'll make that heart of stone a heart of flesh. I'll do the work. Amen. And then you'll have the ability to love like he loved. So this morning, if you've never made the commitment and said, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Never opened and confessed the Lord Jesus with your mouth. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says two things. You believe in your heart that Jesus died for you. God raised him from the dead and confess him as Lord. If you don't ever remember a time that you did that, come up this morning and say, I want to get this right with the Lord. I want to not only go to heaven when I die, I want to begin to have heaven on earth. Amen? And in my family and in my home. And if you've already done that and you need prayer for any other reason, come on up. They will get an agreement with you. So I'm asking the congregation one more time today. As you get up, Miss Colleen's going to turn the music on a little louder. As you get up, please quietly exit the doors. Amen? While these are being prayed for, while people are coming up, and then you can resume talking out in the foyer. Amen. Let's give honor to the Lord and what he's wanting to do still in the hearts of people. So come on up. If you have someone with you today, you're not sure whether they're born again. Someone's got to wear the big boy pants and the big girl pants in the family. Rise up and bring them up with you and pray. Amen. So come on forward. The rest of you, thank you for coming this morning. There's a gift for you out in the foyer at the information booth. If this is your first time, we love every one of you. Have a wonderful and blessed Memorial Day weekend. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, 
please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.